0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: God now instructing Moses specifically to take the 70 elders... And um, God was going to anoint them with the same spirit that he had given Moses. And they would be able to distribute the the, the blessings and, and, and minister to all these people. Seventy men. And so this was actually, you know, God interrupting his plans again and, and giving him this right order of things to do. And you know, what? when you think of it, it, it's just God's mercy, really. Because... One of the things that's true of people in ministry and pastors, especially, um, is they experience burnout. How amazing is your life?
0: Thank you for joining us today for Truth in Christ. We learn today that God reminds the nation of Israel of his order by directing Moses to appoint judges to assist in the disputes of the people. Our God is a God of order, and he directed Moses to allow others to fill in where Moses would be unable to. God directed Moses to call 70 men to assist him with these tasks. This allowed God's justice to prevail in a timely manner. This also holds true for God's church today. It takes many different parts of the body of Christ to assist in the operation of God's church. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's lesson.
1: Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy. We're going to look at the end of chapter 16 and getting into chapter 17. I don't know how far we're going to be able to get tonight. Uh, but anyway, last week we talked about. Remember, Deuteronomy is a second uh, telling of the law, because we know that Exodus and Leviticus and um, uh, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, and Numbers, uh, the, the book of Deuteronomy, really sums up those desert wanderings and those those rituals and those that history that the Jews had coming out of Egypt, having been there for four hundred and thirty years. And then now God is uh, telling them again through Moses. Because remember, now that we're in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is quite old. And Aaron, his, his uh, older brother, has already passed from the scene. He's died. Or, or actually, he, he will soon die, actually. Um, I'm thinking ahead already. But, um, so Moses has been told, because of his anger that he had demonstrated in a couple of different instances God told him, Moses, you can't bring my people into the promised land. But, Mo, but uh, your your servant Joshua, he is going to bring them into the promised land. So now we have Moses here. He's got the children of Israel. They've already traveled forty years to the desert, and now they're and they're they've been wandering around there for forty for forty years. It should have only taken them maybe a, a week and a half, two weeks max, to get to Canaan, to the land of Canaan from Egypt. But it took them forty years, began because of their uh, disobedience. But God, uh, he gets them up there right on the uh, east side of the Jordan River. And Moses is here rehearsing for them in a series of four sermons, really. And we're really into the second sermon already. And Moses is just telling them, reliving for them, because that older generation had passed away in the desert. Now the kids and the grandkids are growing up. And Moses is in his twilight and he's of his years. And he's reminding them all the things that God had done in their past how he had delivered them with a strong arm, brought them out of Egypt, and all the rebellion in the desert, and how God was proving them and testing them and, and, and encouraging them in their walk of faith in him and trusting in his provision. And so he's right at the cusp of this river of the Jordan. He's telling them all of these things. And last week, if you remember, we looked at chapter 16, and we looked at uh, at least uh, these three feasts, actually four feasts, And there are a total of seven feasts if you include uh, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread as two separate feasts. Sometimes it's just called the Passover. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But whichever phrase you use, the Bible, it's really both of those things tied together. They kind of go hand in hand. The Passover and then the very next day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so we talked about what those feasts signified to the Jews, what they meant to the Jews. And many of them were showing them in remembrance of things that God had done and they were most of them were tied to the agriculture of their time you know their feast days and stuff like that and their harvests and, and and things of that nature and they had a prophetic significance certainly from looking back on the things that God did but also for us looking forward into the future these feasts had a significant prophetic Uh, idea for us in the church. And we looked at some of that. And we got to verse 17, and tonight we're going to pick up in verse 18 of chapter 16. And it says, you shall appoint judges and officials in all of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not Show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar, which the Lord your God hates. And so we're going to start right there, and then we'll get right into verse 17. But let's go back to verse 18, there in the 16th chapter. He says, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives. And according to your tribes, they shall judge the people with just judgment. And if you recall, back in when when the children of Israel first came out of Egypt... They had only been out for maybe three months, two and a half to three months. Uh, Actually, it was the third month after they left Egypt in Exodus chapter 18. In fact, if you could just turn there with me, uh, Exodus chapter 18, you'll recall this area. And we're going to look at verse uh, 13. Jethro, who you remember, was Moses' father-in-law. In this passage, we're going to see that he gives advice to Moses. And again, this is about three months after they had left Egypt. And most of the people at this time, whenever they had a grievance or a complaint, they would come to Moses. And I want you to get this picture in your mind. There's, there's uh, you know, several hundreds of thousands of people. Some even think upwards to two, two and a half million people, including children. Okay, so here's Moses. The the leader of God, <laughs> and the people have a if they have a problem they come to him. So what's happening now in, in this chapter that we're going to read in verse thirteen of Exodus chapter eighteen? Moses is sitting there, and there's a line of people with grievances, and he's sitting in his tent. And picture this in your mind. This is sort of like I hate to be flippant, but you know think of like you know Black Friday, and you know uh, Best Buy. You know there's this huge line of people. And, and, and it's pale in comparison, I'm sure, to what happened here. But there's a great big line of people waiting to go in and share the problem and see what the Lord has to say about this particular issue. And we're gonna we're gonna see here that Jethro, Moses's father-in-law, he looks at him and he's like, Moses, what are you doing? He says, um, "Well, we'll actually get there. So let's just start right in verse 13." And, it says, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw that all he did, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. And so Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. And you know what? I can see the Lord's hand in this. And you may be wondering to yourself, as I did as I read this passage you know, as Moses is sitting here, and this line of people is—is is, you know, who knows how long that line was? Can you imagine how tiring that would be, not only for him, but for also for the people. The weariness of standing in line—I'm sure they'd be sitting down and just waiting, and they're just waiting and waiting. And it makes you wonder why God could have just told Moses, "Moses, I want you to think about this a different way." But there's nothing recorded in at least initially in in this time of Israel's history. God doesn't really say anything. And I almost wonder if God, w- you know, maybe would have said something. And maybe Moses might have asked. You know, I wonder if Moses really asked the Lord, Lord, this is really hard for me and it's hard for the people, you know. But Moses being a strong leader, he was just going to take it on the chin and do it, right? But all these people are waiting. They're waiting for hours, hours, hours. And sometimes I think the Lord has to use somebody else sometimes to kind of get our attention. And I believe that what Jethro said to Moses was probably from him, probably from the Lord. And this is what happens. So he says, verse 17, So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people are with you, will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, you are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which you must walk and, and the work they must do. So get other men involved in this thing, Moses. Moreover, you shall select from uh, among the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and Place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people of all the great things. And then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge themselves. So it shall be easy for you, and they will bear the burden with you. And if you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place In peace. And so that's exactly what Moses does. He takes men of of good reputation, godly men, and he puts them over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and he spreads out this counseling sessions that he's going to be having. And all the great matters that they can't figure out, they bring to Moses. And so he does that. Later on, You don't have to go here. I'm just going to summarize this because we'll move on here. But later on, about in the second year, actually, in the 20th day of the second month, so this is sometime afterwards, in Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse 16 through 20. You might want to write those verses down because a similar thing happens. It's Numbers chapter 11, 16 through 20. And what you'll see is God doing the, God now instructing Moses specifically to take the 70 elders, and um, God was going to anoint them with the same spirit that he had given Moses. And they would be able to distribute the the, the blessings and and, and minister to all these people. Seventy men. And so this was actually, you know, God interrupting his plans again and and giving him this right order of things to do. And you know what, when you think of it, it's just God's mercy, really. Because one of the things that's true of people in ministry, and pastors especially, um, is they experience burnout. And they experience burnout because they try to do everything themselves. And sometimes they have to do everything themselves because there's nobody to help. And I'm so blessed, like in this fellowship, there's, I'm surrounded by a lot of volunteers, and they we all work together to clean this place and to do things like that, and, and other things, other ministry-related activities. And that's good because I can't do all those things. I used to do those things, but now I can't do those things and do what I'm doing now. And so it's important to have helpers. And Moses was no different. And when you, that kind of thing happens, it's just God's mercy, if you think about it. It's the body of Christ really doing what the body of Christ should be doing, just coming together and helping each other and, and, and realizing that this building, this ministry, doesn't belong to me. I mean, God has put me as an overseer over it, but, but it doesn't, you don't belong to me. You belong to him. And he's put me as just a, a, a servant to minister to you. And I get that, and I'm very thankful for that because I'm his too, right? And so we help each other in this endeavor, and it it it, it prevents burnout, because I'm not the kind of person who tries to do everything. Uh, I'll delegate as much as I can because I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I just can't do it all. And you know that too. You can't do it all either. So we need that kind of support. And so God gives to Moses that support for his own good and for the benefit of the people. It's very practical if you think of it. Because if he were to continue going on in this way, he would slowly burn out and get angry at the people. Moses already had a problem with anger. You remember. And in fact, that's what cost him his entry ticket into the promised land was his anger You remember, he struck that rock the very first time. God just says, strike the rock, Moses, and water will come out. And he did. And then when they moved around the desert, God did the same thing again. And and Moses got frustrated with the people. And then God said to Moses, now just go speak to the rock, Moses, and water will come out. And instead of speaking to the rock, because the rock was struck once, Jesus was struck once. See the type? Jesus was struck once. The blood was poured out. That's all that was needed once. One striking by God was all that was necessary. So even in the, in the type of this thing, God wanted to make sure that the type went straight through. Strike the rock the first time, Moses, but the second time, later on, I want you to speak to the rock and it'll give you what you need. But instead, you remember, Moses took that rod and I can just see him getting his pose. And he, he, he's angry at the people. His lip starts to curl you know, it starts to, and his toes start to sweat on his sandals. And then you can just see the, and then he hits that rock twice. And and God in his mercy still brings forth the water for the people. But he said, Moses, I love you. You're going to heaven. However, because you've done this and misrepresented me in front of the people, it's going to cost you. You're not going to be able to go into the promised land. I mean, your servant Joshua is going to take him in, but you cannot And God, even in his mercy, remember, we're going to get to it at the end of Deuteronomy, he allows them to go up on top of the mountain and see the land on a very clear day. He could see what they were going to inherit. But he says, you can't go in, Moses. And on that mountain, Moses died, 120 years old. But God does these things because of his great mercy. He's a a merciful God. In fact, remember when Jesus said the Sabbath, which was a day of rest. We all need rest. Anybody need rest? Raise your hand if you need rest. Yeah, we need a Sabbath. If you've got one day, praise the Lord. If you've got two, that's even better. But Jesus said, I've made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, don't just follow this rule and and just follow the rule. The rule was made for man. It wasn't just some arbitrary commandment so that God could have another thing that you couldn't do because when you look at that list of Ten Commandments, we fail in all of them at some point or another, in our heart or physically. But take one day. It's just, you know, you need the rest. You need the rest. Take naps. Let your body rest. I'm a big napper. I like naps. I don't nap here in my office, but I nap at home when I go home. But let's look on to verse 19 now. He says, You shall not pervert justice. So, you know, he says, You shall appoint judges and officials in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, according to the tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. And you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. Partiality is, is when we show favoritism for someone over another. And it doesn't matter what criteria you have. If you show any partiality, any favoritism for one person or another, you are showing partiality. And that's not a good thing. That would be like somebody coming in in rags coming in here and sitting in the front row. And, and, and maybe all the seats were filled. Tonight they're not. But if there was a, a one seat and a gentleman with, with raggedy clothes came and sat right here and then we saw some guy come in who we knew was the CEO of Xerox. He came in with a Rolex watch and a nice suit, patent leather shoes. Uh, excuse me, sir. You need to, uh, you need to get up and move. And uh, oh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, there's the offering box right over there. Come, hey, hey, come on in. Have a sit down. We're praying. Praise the Lord. I, I, look at the offering box. Look at that. Right. That is showing. That's obviously really whacked and really weird. And that is partiality. Okay. So God is telling Moses to tell the people, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality or regard faces is really what it means. Nor take a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and it twists or perverts the eyes, uh, the words of the righteous. And that's literally what that word bribe means. It is a, a Hebrew word that literally means a donation. You give a donation to get what you want and I don't think I need to spend too much time on this, but current events. There was a uh, some wealthy families, some actresses. I don't know if you've read the news lately. But they evidently they wanted their daughters to get into these really fancy colleges. And instead of going through the normal SAT scores and taking the admissions tests and, and going through all that, they bribed the, uh, the coaches and stuff like that uh, many of these girls didn't even have a, uh, an athletic background, but they get on the crew team. And, and, and now, they're, um, now they're accepted into the college on that basis, and they, they bypass all the other stuff because a very large check was given. And see, that is the kind of thing that God hates. Now pray for those ladies and those, those families. Because right now, I'm sure, they just want to crawl in a hole somewhere. And not be seen. And it's very embarrassing. And not only for, and for, the, for the young girls, too, in the college. are probably going to get booted out of college. And now they've got this stigma attached to them. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. And isn't it so like our media? Whenever somebody's down, boy, when, when they're up, boy, the queen of, you know, Hallmark Christmas movies, Lori Laughlin, you know, you know, and, and now Hallmark is dropping her. And you think about, I mean, granted, it is a crime. It's not good. But isn't it true? The media loves the stars. They love to lift them up, and then they love to crush them like an egg as soon as they mess up. And you know what? They're no different than most people. We just lack the means sometimes. They wanted what's best for their girls, and, you know, they did it illegally. And, you know, they've got some things coming, you know, that they're going to have to face. But pray for their salvation. I don't, you know, it's a horrible thing. 50 people were involved in this thing, 50 adults. And so it's an ugly thing, and it all had to do with bribes. And here God is telling Moses and telling the people, don't pervert justice, don't take a bribe. In fact, in Exodus chapter 23, in the first three verses of that chapter, it says this: "says You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice." And certainly, in this whole thing, that's exactly what was happening in this current event. And it kind of lands at home when just the day before all this stuff is being revealed. And there are many other instances of that. Bribery, bribery goes on. It's been around ever since the beginning. If you've got the means, the financial means, or the um, right amount of political pressure you put on people, you, you bribe them with, with, with fame, with a, a seat in the Oval Office, a seat in the Cabinet, you, you can do it many different ways. If there's anything that's desired, you can wave that before somebody and get what you want. And most people... Especially if they don't know Jesus, most of them, many of them will cave into that and hopefully know no Christians. But we're not, we're not uh, untouched by that at times too, right? We all have our weaknesses. God knows what they are. Maybe you know what your weakness is. And sometimes the only difference between us and the unbelieving world is that we lack opportunity. And sometimes it's the most humbling thing for me to experiences when I go through something that the world, it's very common in the world, and, and then I can get kind of smug, can't I? Have you ever been kind of smug? Well, I don't do that. I would never do that. And then you find yourself stepping into something that you never thought you would do. You find yourself doing something you never thought you would do, entertaining a thought that you never thought you would think. Or, God forbid, you actually go through an act that you never thought you would do. And it surprises you. And God all the while is saying, abide in me. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You're a Christian, you're one of mine, and you messed up, and we have to confess those things.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.